Welcome to Tim Friedman's 70s Rock Conversations. I'm your host, Tim Friedman, along with rock expert Frank Ost. Frankie, welcome. Great to be here. Did you have a good 4th of July weekend Absolutely. last week? Absolutely. Yeah, it's always fun, isn't it? Set off the usual fireworks displays. <laughs> <laughs> have a burger and a dog and exactly. some salad. All-American. Hope you, hopefully you enjoyed the All-American week. Uh, last week, all the topics and everything done right. with American artists. That was a lot of fun. Now back to our usual show, Bad Company. A longer look at Bad Company uh, than we had last time. They were our featured artists way back in season three in our bands we wanted to hear more from That's category. Right, we yeah. have Three Dog Night and BTO. Bad Company was one of them. And this week, we'll be featuring that band, who I think should be in the Rock Hall. Certainly nominated. They're in the same band, a group as Foreigner, Grand Funk, Ario Speedwagon. Let's not forget about these groups. No, absolutely not. They're they're a wonderful group, um, and they had more than just one good album. They had several good albums. They so, did, yeah, definitely. And like Foreigner, started off as a, a more or less a super group type of thing, and yes, um, they probably yes. had a hard time getting guys to open for them because they're thinking like Foreigner had a hard time. You know, who are these guys? Why are we opening for a group nobody's heard of? <laughs> but they get out of the gate so quickly with these big hits. Yes. We'll talk about uh, Bad Company a little later on. Today in Rock History, July the 10th, his master's voice was registered at the U.S. Patent Office. The logo of the Victor Recording Company, later That's RCA right. Victor. RCA Victor. Shows the dog Nipper looking into a horn of a gramophone machine. That's right, I remember and that. his ears were sure. never the same. Then once they that put ACDC on, on there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> NBC's TV show Your Hit Parade debuted. Your mom and dad probably watched that. Nineteen fifty. Yeah, that's that's yeah, that's before our time. <laughs> <laughs> it switched to CBS in nineteen fifty eight, but was canceled due to the rising popularity of something called rock and roll. Ooh, devil's music. Nineteen sixty seven, Bobby Gentry recorded the future number one hit "Ode to Billy Joe." Yeah, and that's when I got wrong. Yeah, on the show. <laughs> Last week in our new category, did the Grammys get it right? Frankie guessed wrong. I whiffed. "Ode to Billy Joe" by Bobby Gentry was one of the uh, songs up for Record of the Year, and we'll do another category this time around. Nineteen sixty eight. Eric Clapton announced that Cream would break up the following year, <laughs> following their farewell tour. He. Didn't stay in bands very long, did he? No. And, you know, obviously the longest part of his career now has been his own solo career, and that's probably the way it should have been all the yeah. way along. <laughs> Same with Stevie Winwood. Cher yeah. filed for divorce in 1975 from rocker Greg Allman just 10 days after they were married. Oh, my God. That's right. I, I almost forgot about that one. But. I get this, Frankie. She would change her mind a few days later, only to split for good in 1979. What a, what, what a duo. All four members of the Monkees were on hand in 1989 on this date as they received their star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Oh, the Monkees, yeah. I guess it costs like a couple of thousand dollars and yes. you have to nominate somebody. Yes. That's the process. And like you have to pay for upkeep yeah. and that kind of thing. Yes. Birthdays, Adolphus that. Bush. Where would we be without him? <laughs> <laughs> Joseph Schlitz and all those guys. Mr. Uh, Pabst. I wouldn't want to be in a world without them. Oh, no. <laughs> be very boring 1842 he was born david brinkley passed away in 2003 oh, i always, I always liked him he was he was the he was the master of the tongue and cheek yes yes and he and chet huntley just straight ahead news yes they did and it, it was just it was no bs back in that day eunice kennedy shriver was born in 1921 herman munster fred gwynn who was not just herman munster he also starred in what Car 54, Car 54, you? And, yeah. And it was a really good um, 
character actor as in his later years. I think it was uh, the judge on uh, my cousin Vinny. One of those movies, yeah. yes. So he was born in 1926. He passed away 30 years ago. Mavis, but, you know, he'll always be known for her. Oh, Monster. of course. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Mavis Staples was born in the state in 1939, still alive. She's 84 today, hmm. Mavis. Okay. Tennis player Arthur Ashe, 1943. Arlo Guthrie, the singer, born in 1947. Yeah, and that's that's another one that uh, we've talked about, but I wish I would have seen Arlo yeah. along the way. And then uh, recently he has announced that he can't tour anymore. He just doesn't have it. So He's going to be 70, 76 exactly. today. Yeah. Exactly. Want to feel old? Jessica Simpson is 43 <laughs> today. She's one of those new people, right? Yeah. <laughs> Soon-to-be hits making their debut this week in 1981, middle of July or thereabouts, the week of July 10th, Breaking Away by Balance. It uh, entered the charts at number 82, went all the way to number 22, Frankie. And um, the vocalist was Pepe Castro, (laughs) a founding member of the Blues Yeah, I saw that, and um, wow, how did you ever come up with that fact? From the I'm Bible. Impressed. <laughs> endless love. Talk about endless time at the top of the charts. Yeah. Nine weeks. Yeah, nine weeks. And, you know, we've talked about this before, but now you see songs that are up there for 20 weeks. Yeah. Uh, the, the charts were different back, back in then, the day. That was, nine weeks was huge. That was uh, almost unheard of. Exactly. Soon to be topped by physical just a few weeks later, which landed at the top of the charts for Olivia for 10 weeks. I in remember. A row. I remember. Diana Ross and Lionel Richie had that one. Endless Love, it came in at number 54. That was the highest debuting song that week. Number one, Kim Carnes, Betty Davis Eyes, third of its four weeks at the top. And uh, again, another song that you couldn't get away from that year. Boy, that was a big one, too. Good tune, though. It sounded like nothing else on the charts. Exactly. That's what was cool about that song. One of those classic, uh, sounds like nothing else. Great summer song. She's she's got Betty Davis Eyes. Got Betty Davis eyes. 
ferocious And she knows just what it takes Frankie, it's time for Guilty Pleasures, or as we like to call it, Guilty Pleasures. <laughs> Stuff we like to listen to uh, secretly, or maybe we'll I can tell the world, but I guess we are now. Yes. Because we're, list- we're heard all over the world, Frankie. France and Spain and Germany and Japan. India. And all yes, over the place. Sure. So uh, Joey Scarberry is my guilty pleasure. Remember the greatest American hero? The, I, I remember the show and I remember the theme song. <laughs> the show sure. starred William Catt. He's the son of actress Barbara Hale, who played Della Street. And That's Mason. right. Yes, yes. So he first became known to us by playing character Tommy Ross in the ill-fated <laughs> prom date he was of Carrie. Oh, no. <laughs> Look at what's happened to me. I can't believe it myself. Suddenly I'm a bond. that song theme from a greatest american hero which made it to number two for two weeks in the summer of 1981 it was huge that one along with like uh well betty davis eyes and and uh, uh gary u.s bonds remember um oh yeah 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 um, <laughs> i can't remember what it was called but I, <laughs> this I little girl is mine yeah yeah so there are some some really good tunes and some uh, kind of campy tunes like this one, but I liked it. Theme from the greatest American hero. Not a bad one, yeah. Yeah, it's actually featured on one of the episodes of Seinfeld where George was trying to pretend he, he broke up with his girlfriend and or what something like that. I remember it well, and um, my mom and dad loved that greatest American hero show. They just couldn't get enough of it. It was the I, dumbest. I, I couldn't get. It. I never show. understood it. But no, that's okay. I can't. What do you have for me? Well, <laughs> I've got a song called I'm Telling You Now oh, by Freddie and, and the, the Dreamers. Dreamers. I'm telling you now. I'm telling you right away. I'll be staying for many a day. I'm in love with you now. 
I'm fooling when I say I love you. I love you. Maybe you'll believe me when I'm finally through, 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 through. I'm telling you now. I know it's been said before. Say you love me and I will be sure. I'm in love with you now. I was nine years old when Freddie Garrity and his dreamers appeared on Ed Sullivan's show and performed this song to a rapt audience of kids just like me. And along with the song, they, and I mean the entire band, did a ridiculous dance with arms and legs flailing. And it was just the kind of dance that a nine-year-old would do on a schoolyard with his pals. Yep, guilty as charged, and within a week, the single found a home at my house. I'm not sure whether my sister or I actually own the record, but of course, we both did the dance each time the record played. <laughs> the dance was soon to be known as the Freddy, and as hard as it, as it is to believe, the song quickly went to number one in the country. Despite being basically a novelty song and dance, Freddie was not a one-hit wonder. The follow-up single, Do the Freddie, again with the dance, made it to the top 20 in the States. And that was it for Freddie and the Dreamers. Although they recorded for a few more years, they could never again catch lightning in the bottle and faded completely from my memory mm. until on a recent cruise... Mm. They played this song as part of a sing-along. All of a sudden, the memories became came <laughs> flooding back, and I just had to use this song as a guilty pleasure. <laughs> oh, and I swear I f saw a few 70-year-olds doing the Freddy. Doing the Freddy. <laughs> Were you one of them? Not that you're 70. No, I was not. <laughs> I'm telling you now, number one for two weeks. It sure was. 1965. It sure was. I love that song. Like I said, they're on the Ed Sullivan show. This was big, yeah. From Manchester, England. Lots of our acts from there, that's, that's for right. sure. That's right, yep. A couple more guilty pleasures next week. Great. One at Wonder Time, Frankie. T-Set, T-E-E-Set. And my belle ami. In French, it means my beautiful friend. That's right. My belle ami. Child of the sun and the sky and the deep blue sea My belle amie Après tous les beaux jours je te dis merci, merci You were the answer on all my questions before we're through I want to tell you that I adore you, I always do That you amaze me by leaving me now and starting you 
1970, this song made it to number 5 in the U.S. The week of March 14th, number 3 in Canada, this group was from Holland. You know, like <laughs> Mouth and McNeil or whatever. Not the Hollies, but Holland. Just this one hit for the state. From the, that hard was hard to believe, just, oh. just one hit. They did have a lot of success in their homeland of the Netherlands, starting in 1966 and going all the way through the 70s. Wow. I had no idea. So, yeah, they, in 1970... They had a song called She Like Weeds. <laughs> <laughs> it was banned in the U.S. because of what people thought was a reference to drug use. But in the U.S., their only other song that even made it to the top 100 was later on in 1970 with the forgettable song called If You Believe in Love. There you go. T-Set, My Bellamy, number five, in middle of March, 1970. And you fooled me completely because I could not remember it, so I had to go to YouTube. <laughs> And uh, I saw the song and the video, and it was ghastly. It's this, ladies and gentlemen, is one of the worst songs ever to grace the top ten. <laughs> it, it reminds me a lot of "Come On Eileen," just that weird, yeah, English. Only type. not even as good. No. <laughs> <laughs> Hall of Fame albums, in other words, albums that belong in the Hall of Fame, even though the artist who recorded them isn't. And uh, I have one, and you have one. Who do you have That's this week? Right. Mine is an uh, album called Stunt by Bare Naked Ladies. Now, the Bare Naked Ladies' entire career, and of course this album, fall outside our normal target year. It was my daughter Nina who turned me on to the band in general, and this album in particular. She was also into the band early on, and by this time, the fourth studio effort came along. She was playing it nonstop around the house and on the CD player of the car. And I liked it. Next up, we went to see the band uh, in concert, and we loved them. We've seen them, the band, many times uh, since. But it's this album that I always come back to, their commercial and creative peak. The first single, One Week, shot to number one and sold over 5 million copies in the U.S. market. It's been all been done in alcohol, our great rockers. While Never Is Enough and Who Needs Sleep highlight the band's ever-present sense of humor. But it's Stephen Page's beautiful ballad, Call and Answer, that is the showstopper here. Now, Stephen is no longer a member of the band, and it's this song that I dearly miss every time I see the current lineup in concert. The album peaked at number three, 
and has gone four times platinum in the U.S. But more than that, with a release date of 1988-1998, I have often called this the last great rock album. Impossible, you say? Well, think about it and let me know of any albums that since that surpass it. I'll wait. <laughs> <laughs> we saw them last year, concert. We sure did, absolutely. At one of our favorite venues, the Nautica Stage. I uh, love the Nautica days. Stage. Any reason is a good reason to go. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Um, Gin Blossoms were there. They were the middle act, and Toad, the Wet Sprocket. Toad, the West you know, I love Sprocket, Toad, and yeah. they love Cleveland and Cleveland area. They opened, and shorter set, 10 songs. Uh, Gin Blossoms had nine, but they're all their hits, they, and then... Bare Naked had a little longer set. It was in the 20s. Right, right. But they played the song, the theme from Big Bang Theory. They sure did. (laughs) Well, during COVID, you know, what did you do? Did you write a book? No, I learned all the words to Big Bang Theory. (laughs) I love it. Everybody had to do something. We created a podcast, too, didn't we? Exactly. It's been one week since you looked at me. Cut your head to the side and said I'm angry. Five days since you laughed at me. Saying get back together, come back and see me. Three days since the living room. I realized it's all my fault but couldn't tell you. Yesterday you'd forgiven me. But it'll still be two days till I say I'm sorry. Hold it, now I want to hoodwink. Does it make you stop think? You'll think you're looking at Aquaman. I summon fish to the dish. Although I like the shally Swiss, I like the sushi. Cause it's never touch a frying pan. Hot like wasabi when I bust rhymes. Big like Leanne rhymes. Because I'm all about value. Bert Camper's got the mad hits. You try to match. You try to hold me but a bust through Gonna make a break and take a pick out like a stink and they can shake out like vanilla It's the finest of the flavors Gonna see the showcase and you'll know the vertigo is gonna go Cause it's so dangerous you'll have to sign a waiver Can I help it if I think you're funny when you're mad? Trying hard not to smile though I feel bad I'm the kind of guy who laughs at a funeral Can't understand what I mean, well you soon will I have a tendency to wear my mind on my sleeve I have a history of taking off my shirt It's been one week since you looked at me Threw your arms in the air and said you're crazy Five days since you tackled me Runs on both my knees. It's been three days since the afternoon. You realize it's not my fault, but only too soon. Yesterday you'd forgiven me, and now I'll sit back and wait till you say you're sorry. Mine would be Asia, their debut album in 1982 called Asia. Yeah. Talk about a super group. Mm -hmm. Heat of the Moment, Only Time Will Tell, plus other great tracks like Wildest Dreams, Without You, and A Deep Cut of Mine from the Past, Cutting It Fine. Sure. Super group featuring Jeff Downs of Yes and the Buggles, Steve Howe, Yes, Carl Palmer. Let's see. Oh, yeah, he was the PM <laughs> in the LP. And lead vocalist and bassist John Wetton, best known for his time in King Crimson, mm-hmm. went to number one in the States for nine weeks, four-time sure platinum, also number one in Canada, yet didn't do as well across the pond. Isn't that weird? Which is odd because they're mostly English guys. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Worldwide sales have topped better than 10 million copies of that album. Great album cover as well. And then they had some personnel changes as they move through the 80s and the albums weren't yeah, as Carl good. Yeah, Carl Palmer only did the one, I think. Yeah. The, yeah. the albums weren't as good. They they kind of lost momentum. Uh, maybe they lost a little interest and wanted to do some other stuff. Probably should have done like Derek and Domino's and just had that just, one just, album. Just that would have one. been perfect. Yeah. The follow-up was good. Smile has left your eyes and a couple mm-hmm. others. But uh, Asia's debut was outstanding. It reminds me of right when I was graduating college. Yeah. I 
Hall of Fame album. Time for Frankie Answers Three Questions. I thought I would do this because so many uh, artists have recorded on all these great labels like Capitol and Warner Brothers Mm -hmm. and Columbia. And I know it's a little unfair, Frankie, but I thought it'd be fun to ask you. Maybe your top three. three, Sure. sure. Um, First of all, let's do your favorite artists from Capitol Records. The first two are as easy as you can get. The early Beatles were on Capitol Records. Most of the Beach Boys' career, all their good stuff, was on Capitol Records. So those are two are obvious. For the third one, I'm going to go off the charts a little bit and go with Grand Funk Railroad. Oh, good choice. I love, I love their early stuff, and yeah, it was all on Capitol Records. So, yeah. Now, you could have uh, chosen Frank Sinatra, the uh, Capital Years, but that's going way back in the 50s. It's, it's going back, and, and, and you know, it's kind of not our fit, too, you know. Yeah. Um, we do get Frankie well, in there later, a few yeah. times, but 
uh, I was trying to go more with the, the rock. Folks. I think that's a good idea. Uh, you want to get your hands on something good, though. Um, the box set, the Frank Sinatra oh, yes. Capital Years, is yes, out. Absolutely. absolutely. Working the Nelson Riddle Orchestra back then. All right, Frankie, best artist or artists from Columbia Records. Ooh, and this is a lot tougher, and uh, I got a lot more to say here. Um, I always wondered why Maynard Ferguson and Don Ellis, who are two of my favorite jazz people, recorded on Columbia Records. And then I realized maybe it had something to do with the fact that they had Earth, Wind, and Fire, Aerosmith, Simon and Garfunkel, Journey, or maybe because they had the three, three of the largest selling albums in record or artists in recording history, and I'm talking here about Bob Dylan, Chicago, and Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> so maybe that's how they could get away with you know uh, having these lesser selling jazz people because they had so many good acts on there. Uh, finally, uh, just to tell you that I remember how Columbia, big Columbia Records was at the time because we, myself and uh, my girlfriend at the time went to a concert at Delbert Gym, a uh, little place at, uh, on Case Western Reserve campus. And it was, you know, kind of a, a dopey two or three act uh, show. And I'll never forget the announcer going, and now recording on Columbia Records, so-and-so. Ah. And so-and-so came on and my girlfriend looks at me and, who the hell is this? And I said, I don't know, but I'm going to listen because he's recording for Columbia Records. They don't just record anyone. Well, six months later, so-and-so, <laughs> Eddie Money, was opening at the World Series of Rock yeah. in front of 70,000 people. <laughs> I probably saw that show. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, that's columbia records that's the kind of sway they had they didn't sign just anybody oh no, clive boy, davis when, and those guys when he came on and they said columbia i'm like i gotta listen to this guy yeah <laughs> <laughs> best so, new, uh, go ahead number three best artist or artists from warner brothers and this was a lot harder uh guess i did didn't like the warner brothers stable but i was able to come up with some pretty good ones uh, the Dewey Brothers, of course, wonderful group that I've followed their entire career. One that I haven't followed as much, but certainly had one of the greatest careers in recording history, Madonna. And then finally, one of my personal favorites, ZZ Top. Nice. Just Interesting. A, just a great, you know, odd threesome, but. I thought just you were going to say uh, Fleetwood Mac. And, and you they've might. never been quite my cup of tea. I mean, I mean, there's never quite did it for me uh i like them they're fine but uh i prefer listening to these three <laughs> yeah that's interesting um james taylor one of my favorites james on the warner brothers on label yes, yes. a lot of other artists america oh sure uh but those are good man zz top i didn't know it was on warner yeah, brothers zz top kind of uh, when i saw it i said oh i gotta gotta join them and, and of course yeah. you know the dewey brothers were just a a terrific group, and I think they've been on Warner Brothers their entire career. Yeah. yeah. Now, we'll bring that back, that category back, and we'll um, focus in on another Warner Brothers uh, spinoff, if you will, like Electra Asylum. Those sure, are two different. sure. And uh, Epic Records yeah. for Columbia. Absolutely. And, like so we'll... and uh, of course, Atlantic Records. Oh, you know, yeah. You've got to get them in there. Sire Records. Sure. We'll be doing sure. those uh, maybe not every week, but from time to time to uh, get your, your thinking about some of those old groups and what albums... 
where they recorded on? Were they Columbia? <laughs> oh, yeah, ATCO or something like that. Exactly, yes, ATCO, that's right. All right, Frankie, uh, did the Grammys get it right? <laughs> the topic Not this, usually. The topic this week, best new artist. And, of course, we focus on the years 1967 to 83, right in there. Sure. At the Grammys in 1968, they were talking about the artists that debuted in 1967. Now, interestingly enough, the year before, they did not give out a Grammy for best new artist. Isn't that weird? Like I 1966, there, there must not have been any. So, in 1968... Uh, the Best New Artist category mm-hmm. saw Fifth Dimension nominated, Bobby Gentry, and Jefferson Airplane. And a couple of artists I don't really remember, so I didn't <laughs> write them down. <laughs> okay, so take a look, and who won for Best New Artist? Well, I'm thinking that um, who had the best career, in hindsight, of course, would have been Jefferson Airplane. However, this is the Grammys. I'd, ha- I'd have to think they went with the Fifth Dimension. Actually, they didn't. Well, Bobby Gentry. See, now I guess Bobby Gentry <laughs> owed to Billy Joe, and I was. Uh, but up, up, and away won for record of the year. Sure did. They're sure funny. did. So uh, yeah, and the Fifth Dimension, I, you know, the Grammys just love. Oh, course, they love groups like that. They so. do. Yeah, I'm very surprised they didn't. All right, so another category, maybe another something to joggle the memory and. Uh, Excite the mind. That's next week. I haven't even been close yet. (laughs) (laughs) Did the Grammys get it right? Next week. Cover versus cover. Frankie, this is a good one. Proud Mary from Ike and Tina Turner. Tina just passed away recently. Sure. Uh, Two-time Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductee along with her ex-husband Ike one time and then as a solo artist a couple years earlier. And the CCR, they each had a really good version. Which one do you think is better? Interesting. Um, now, CCR is certainly one of the most respected U.S. rock bands ever. Commercially, they released seven studio albums in less than four years, all of which sold huge number of records. Critically, they were lauded for their terrific singles, memorable deep cuts, and John Fogarty was quickly becoming another Bob Dylan. And then it all came crashing down with infighting, brotherly dislike, and disdain for one another. It got so bad that when John finally went back to touring, he refused to play the old CCR music. And it was his friend, Bob Dylan, who knew a little bit about songs being covered, who went to him and said, John, if you don't sing Proud Mary, everybody will think it's an Ike and Tina Turner song. They had taken the original song and made it into a rock and roll review showstopper with its legendary slow start and fast hard finish. It was their biggest hit ever and took them from being an opening act to a headliner status. And because of the way they completely changed the song, which is what I love, you know, the best covers do that, I'm giving the nod on this one to Ike and Tina. Just as long as we always remember the song was written by John Fogarty. (laughs) (laughs) Boy, that is a real rocker, isn't it? It sure is. It sure is a great tune. Either either way you listen to it, it's a great song. Listen to the story now. Left a good job in the city. Working for the man every night and day. 
And I never lost one minute of sleep And I was worrying about the way that things might have been Big wind keep on turning Oh, the proud Mary keep on burning And we're rolling Rolling Rolling, yeah Rolling Rolling on a river Rolling on the river Rolling 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 on a river Rolling on the river do rock releases albums that are turning 50 in 2023 we'll do five at a time we did five last week including dark side of the moon sure and i realized i didn't have any of them yeah, yeah i had none i have the greatest hits package for all but pink floyd exactly so albums turning 50 in 2023 five at a time a wizard a true star todd rundgren just one victory is on there and a bunch of other just, experimental it's stuff. a wonderful album yeah, a lot of fun, and I did own it. <laughs> I think uh, at that point, Todd's like, you know what? I'm not. I could write hit songs all the time, but somebody called him the male version of a Carol King, and he said, like, I don't know. That's not what I want to do. I'm a great producer, and I'll I'll show you guys. I'm gonna put something else out. I just wish he had written more hit songs because I I I really think he could have. <laughs> oh, he could have easily done that. Sound of my voice I am here to tell you I have made my choice 
Houses of the Holy, Zeppelin. Definitely owned that one. (laughs) (laughs) Who who didn't? I think I have that one, or used to have it. Bowie, Aladdin, Sane. That's the one with uh, Gene Genie. Absolutely. And let's spend the night together. (laughs) (laughs) There goes Ryman Simon. That was one of my uh, Columbia Record Club favorites. Okay. Paul Simon. Okay. Now, that one I didn't own, but uh, certainly heard it on the radio enough. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Kodachrome, Loves Me Like a Rock. Yep. And Joe Walsh, the player you get, the smoker, you know. Yeah, that's another great one. <laughs> Rocky Mountain Way is on that one. Five more next week as we head through. There's probably 40 of them. That... What a, you know, as I said before, what a great year for rock and roll. I mean, I when I was going through my, my lineups, the two that stuck out to me that I didn't realize were 73 and 75. Yeah. Great stuff. As we progress through season eight and then move into season nine, we're going to have a brand new topic. Frankie, I haven't told you this, but we will. Um, you're going to rank the best years in music in a mm. countdown version, okay. 83 all the way back to 67. So it'll be 16-ish, 16 years? Yeah, 16 years oh, that'll of, be fun. or 17 or something. <laughs> so you know, like number 17 this week will be 1970 or something right, like exactly. that. Right, exactly. So play a couple of cuts from there and you'll tell us why. So I'll I, give you a little preview. Yeah. It'll probably be 74. <laughs> <laughs> but you never know. <laughs> Uh, but so, that's the excitement of it. <laughs> so that's coming up here in a, in a few weeks. Rock releases the week of July the 10th, Chicago 5, the Wood One, right, that's, Frankie, 1972? Great one, yeah. Saturday in the Park, Dialogue, State of the Union, good stuff. I still can't understand how Saturday in the Park was not their first number one hit. Right, exactly, yeah. Everybody yeah. thinks it was. All the makings. Yeah, absolutely.
Kinks, Low Budget, 1979. Ooh, another good one. <laughs> yeah. The Superfly soundtrack, Curtis Mayfield. Talk about cool singer, 1972. That was a terrific soundtrack, and boy, Superfly and Freddy's Dead. Mm-hmm. Takes you back to a different time, <laughs> definitely. Maggot Brain, Funkadelic, 1971. Oh, right. yeah. Fleetwood Mac, Fleetwood Mac, 1975. 1971, live at Fillmore East, the Allman Brothers. A local favorite of ours, Michael Stanley Band, came out with Greatest Hints in 1979. Another great one, yeah. Songs about buildings and food, 1978. Kind of the first time we really found out about them with uh, Take Me to the River. Good stuff. Grand Funk, We're an American Band, produced by Todd Rundgren. Yep. Album went to number one, as did the song, 1973. And then Firefall Luna, C, L-U-N-A, C, S-E-A, as opposed to Lunacy. That has So Long in it, and one of my favorites of all time, Just Remember I Love You. Mm -hmm. Good stuff by Firefall, 1977. Featured artist time, Frankie. In the middle of season three, we brought Bad Company to the forefront in our like to have heard more from category. And so we talked about Paul Rogers, Mick Ralph, Simon Kirk, Boz Burrell. Why they call me Bad 
Tell me about Paul Rogers. He's one of your favorite singers. Well, he is just the the beginning and end of rock singers. Um, I don't know whether he always got the best um, songs to work with. But the ones he got, he sang the heck out of them. I mean, he just... You, of course, know him for uh, It's All Right Now with Free and, of course, Can't Get Enough of Your Love with Bad Company. But that voice is rock and roll. I mean, can't, can't do any better than that. Baby, when I think about you, I think about love. Paul Rogers, vocals, guitar, piano, and accordion. I didn't realize that. Yeah, Dennis DeYoung of Styx plays accordion as well. That's a difficult instrument to master. It is. Mick Ralph's guitar and keyboards, drums with Simon Kirk and Boz Burrell. Not Boz Skaggs, but uh, the Burrell. Play bass, formed in 1973, kind of known as a super group back then, weren't they? Yeah, they absolutely were. So um, Paul and Simon Kirk were members of Free, with All Right Now, which... Exactly. You know, Frankie, if I hear that song one more time, I mean, I can't... I I like the song, but jeez. It's used in a lot of things, yes. It's kind of one of those signpost songs that if they want to put you in a certain year, that's when they're playing. That's 1970. Yep, yep. One time, Free in 1970-ish, they were right there with Zeppelin as the top-grossing bands in all of England. I didn't realize that. So Free... I knew they were that big over there. I know. Uh, Mick was a member of Mata Hoople, you know, all yes, the young dudes. absolutely. And Boz was a vocalist and bassist for King Crimson. His real name is Raymond. That's right. Apparently, Paul was asked to join the Doors as Jim Morrison's replacement after Jim suddenly passed away, but Paul Would was unavailable. Would have been interesting, yeah. yeah. He was yeah. unavailable at the time. He is like he checked out, like he went off the grid, as <laughs> they call it now. They couldn't find him. Wow. So he was thinking of putting his own band together, and there it is. Bad company. He grew weary of, weary of the road, though, Paul did. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe that's why bad companies didn't have a lot of staying power. Exactly, yeah. We, we've always complained that we just didn't, 
feel like we heard enough from them. Yeah, I would have liked to have heard more from them. Maybe that's the thing, because you really got a tour to support your albums. David Bowie didn't always do that, but he was a a solo guy. Right. But getting the band together, you know, time to put out a new album, or the record company is barking at us, or something like that, and you got to do the road, and maybe there's, I don't know, enhancements, drugs or whatever, women involved, and you're just not feeling like writing or something like that. Right. And then, you know, Paul would turn up in other projects like The Firm, uh, you know, with uh, Jimmy Page, and he went on the road with Queen in the 2000s. Yeah. Just odd stuff. Just kind of, I think I'll do this for a while. Yeah, exactly. Or I think I'll just check out for a while, live off the grid. (laughs) But in 1974, in June, five-time platinum album, Bad Company, that was their debut. That's Boy, they right. had some good yeah. tunes on oh, that. Moving on. Record. Rock Steady. Seagull, one of my favorites. Can't Get Enough. Ready for Love, plus the title cut. Mick Ralphs and Paul Rogers basically shared the songwriting. That's right, yeah. And Simon Kirk was co-writer, uh, co-writer of Bad Company. Hypnosis did the album cover. There's the plain black with the uh, white bad CO period uh, at an angle. And I think that was one of the... 15 you get with the Columbia Record Club for right, a penny. Right, right. Um, 1975, Straight Shooter came out in April. Good Love and Gone Bad and Feel Like Making Love, the title cut as well, inspired by the untimely deaths of rock stars Jim Morrison and Janis Joplin. That's right. So, you know all these songs, Feel Like Making Love and Good Love and... You hear them all the time. Sure, absolutely. Uh, so, you know, a lot of these were recorded at Ronnie Lane's mobile recording studio. It's a 16-track uh, studio in England. Also the home of these classic albums, Quadrophenia, Who by Numbers, Frampton with the original studio versions of Baby I Love Your Way and Show Me the Way, and something called Physical Graffiti. (laughs) The Stones had their own mobile recording studio as well. Yeah, they did.
February 76, putting out albums once a year and touring. Recorded in France at Rolling Stones Mobile Recording uh, Studio. Yeah, since you mentioned it. And uh, that was also the recording home to Who's Next, Deep Purple, Smoke on the Water, Led Zeppelin 3 and 4, and Houses of the Holy, and also um, Exile on Main Street by The Stones. That's right. So a lot of good stuff coming out of there. You know, you can find the Rolling Stones Mobile Recording Studio. It's in the Recording Hall of Fame, the National Music Center, but you have to go all the way to Calgary, Alberta, Canada to do so. Oh, I never knew that. So if that's on your bucket list, <laughs> you can check Beautiful that out Calgary. sometime. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 1977, Burning Sky, the title cut. Not one of their stronger albums. Uh, they were starting to lose a little momentum, I think. Exactly. Maybe Paul started getting a little bored or something, you know. Um, it was recorded, though, at the Chateau in France, the recording home of Elton John's Honky Chateau. There you go. And Cat Stevens' Catch Bullet 4, How Deep Is Your Love, and Staying Alive by the Bee Gees, and a couple of David Bowie albums, and many more. It was built in 1740. Wow. In Paris, France. But it had some interesting acoustics. Yeah. Maybe that's why they used it. I wonder if Queen recorded there. It sounds like something they would do. Yeah, you know? exactly. <laughs> Desolation Angels, that featured... Uh, Rock and Roll Fantasy and Gone, yeah. Gone, Gone. The title was used almost a decade earlier for Free's second album. That's so, Oh, yeah, I didn't know didn't that. didn't realize that. I either. didn't know they had a second album. Yeah. Desolation Angels came out in March of 79, and it hit a number three here in the U.S., the last major successful album for the band. Rough Diamonds in 82, the last to feature Paul. Peter Grant left the band following the death of um, Zeppelin drummer John Bonham. You know, they recorded on the uh, Swan Song record label. Oh, that's right. Yeah, they and, did. And uh, yeah. um, Peter Grant was like their manager or something. And yeah, he was running the... that. He ran that um, record label. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of artists recorded on it, but once Zeppelin broke up, that was it. So that was the yeah, yeah, end of that. Um, bad company. I find a new record, record label, and Paul's like, you know what? I'm moving on. <laughs> Just like <laughs> moving the song. on, yeah. So The Firm, founded in 1984, it had Jimmy Page and Chris Slade, who played with Manfred Mann and Uriah Heep, and would go on to join ACDC. So it also featured Tony Franklin, who played the fretless bass. Hmm. Didn't know. He played with the band on Late Night with David Letterman, The Rosie O'Donnell Show, and Good Morning America, and toured with Whitesnake. So these guys were all over the place. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Not unattractive Turn me on tonight Cause I'm a 
Nothing wrong with the, the one album and radioactive. Know, exactly, it kind of got on your nerves after yeah. a while. But I'm I'm always happy when I get to hear from Jimmy Page. Sure, uh, he's done so few things actually. Um, Robert Plant seems to be into everything, you know. But Jimmy, you don't hear much from. Him, no. So it's always fun when you do. So that's Bad Company, our featured artist this week. Frankie, thanks for stopping by and uh, giving us great. your input. Appreciate yeah. it. And next week, Frank and I will be back on Tim Friedman's 70s Rock Conversations to take a look at Leonard Skinnerd for the first time. Upcoming shows will be The Stones, a second look at them. Also, rounding out season eight already, The Four Tops, and then one of our favorites from Motown, Stevie Wonder. All coming up in weeks to come here on Tim Friedman's 70s Rock Conversations. Thanks for joining us this week. We'll see you next time. <laughs>